You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Your home to community radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And the topic of today's show is all of us. And and I'm not sure if the music that you just heard kind of conveys that that message to you, but hopefully it does in some ways that whether you identify with tribal music or African music or indigenous music or hip hop or classical or Beethoven, that, that the, uh, the, 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 rhythm, the rhythm of life, regardless of how it's expressed in the various languages, I think kind of resonates through all of us. And Harry, I just wanted to thank you for playing that intro. Uh, but again, the topic of the day of today's show is all of us. And I guess Reverend Perry and, and Dr. Ortiz, I guess enjoy saying those three words, all of us. I, for as far as I'm concerned, we could spend the next 50 minutes just repeating that mantra all of us and what does that mean for all of us to thrive and to, to survive and and to prosper uh we're going to be a little more focused it's a surprise uh, in that regard and i'll stop i'll stop my soliloquy uh but my, my guest today are dr janitza montalvo ortiz and she's the assistant professor of psychiatry at the yale school of medicine and joined by reverend dr leroy o perry pastor of saint stephen's ame zion church and cultural ambassador to the Yale Clinical Research Program. I had an opportunity to meet Reverend Perry a few, a few decades ago. And I, I, I don't mention this on every show, but it's just, uh, it, it's heartwarming to kind of reconnect and continue to connect even after, I think there are 20, 30 years before I even saw him since we both, after we both graduated from the Divinity School. But connections are so important. And to me that, again, that connects with what does all of us mean? All of us today, all of us tomorrow, all of us for the next seven generations. Uh, briefly, in terms of the show overview, and Dr. Janitza uh, Montalvo Ortiz will kind of explicate in this regard. But we're going to talk about clinical research and why it's so so essential, basic. I mean, fundamental to developing medications that that you might have taken this morning. Every medication you might have taken this morning had to go through a clinical research and clinical trials. And but that would not be possible without people participating. And this All of Us research program is really a, a significant, a seminal expansion of what that means for us to create a database, a, a repository of, of medical information that all researchers can use uh, to learn how, how biology, lifestyle, environmental, and environment affects health. We hear this term, social determinants of health, economic determinants of health, just uh, uh, environmental determinants of health. But this intersection between biology, lifestyle, environment, affects all of us and to, so, and to create a, 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 a well, a, a resource, a database that might help folks to find ways to treat and prevent disease is key to kind of having this, uh, this database of information on folks. And again, privacy issues are always a concern, but we're gonna talk about that as well. Dr. Ortiz, welcome to the Tom Ficklin Show. Thank you for having me. Yes, more than excited to talk about the All of Us Research Program I share with all of you. Indeed, let's jump in. We have about 55 minutes and uh, basically we just talk and then Harry will play the music and we know that that means we have to kind of, we're, we're not gonna be on the airwaves anymore, but we have about 54 minutes. Uh, let, let, let's jump in and tell us tell us about this, uh, the All of Us, again, I repeat, the All of Us project that you're involved with. Right, yeah, so um, the All of Us Research Program is one of its kind, um, one of a kind project. Um, and this is nationwide. And um, it's meant to capture all the information that is needed to reach that precision medicine 
that a lot of doctors uh, talk about that, that that we hear here in the news, and um, and this is offering the tools that we need to make sure that precision medicine efforts can benefit everyone, regardless of their background, regardless of their cultural, socioeconomic, ethnicity, um, race, racial background. And um, it's meant to gather data from more than 1 million people across mm. the U.S. Mm. It's an overrepresentation of populations from traditionally underrepresented groups, such as those with racial and ethnic, ethnic um, minority or minoritized groups, as well as those with low socioeconomic status and those living in rural communities. And the reason why this cohort, nationwide cohort, it's meant to have this over-representation of these groups is because of the lack of information of these mm. groups. Mm. Most of the genomic um, studies right now and studies looking at different social determinants of health, um, especially those with genetic information combined, um, has a like, uh, significant overrepresentation of um, individuals with uh, European ancestry. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, concerning because those benefits that could be gathered from genomic data, from phenotypic data, which is everything that is surrounding us, uh, how we eat, what do we eat, when do we eat it, how do we exercise, um, our income level, everything that is part of our lifestyle environment and also biology through our genes, that could be different across different ancestral groups. Um, and we know that we are very different in terms of ancestry groups, especially in the US. Uh, we have not only people from European ancestry or African ancestry, but also our East Asian ancestry or um, Asian ancestry overall, but also um, we have people that have admixture, which means that have a mixture of different ancestries. And why is this important? It's because all the genetic data that is used in the clinical settings right now, that are being used right now, these are informed through genomic studies that have used mostly European, samples and the genetic variants that are used or the genes that are used, the prevalence could vary widely across ancestral groups, hmm. meaning that some genetic variants that or genes that are known to inform side effects of a specific drug could be nearly absent in another um, hmm. ancestral group, hmm. which could lead to higher side effects, could lead to higher toxicity level, could lead to decreased efficacy of the drug. So mm -hmm. that lack of information is what the All of Us Research Program is trying to fill the gap um, and provide more information, not only in our biology, but also everything that surrounds us. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take the deep dive and, and again, going to review and, and ask you to kind of respond to a variety of, of uh, concerns, questions, topics, I mean, such as whether this is a international or national project or um, how many participants you might be looking for, age groups and specific demographics of folks that you've mentioned 
uh, how to expand that and even restrictions on participating in because but, but before we go into all those questions and, and even more I guess wondered Reverend Perry just based on, on what Dr. Ortiz has mentioned so far what kind of resonates in your mind and the reason I wanted to draw you in so quickly to this discussion is I've listened to some of your your, your public uh, presentations and it seems to me regardless of the topic that you're discussing there's a certain urgency that I've heard in your in, in your presentations that's that's really uh, that 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 has moved me. That the time is so time is passing, and tragedies are happening. And can we, as a human species, intervene and make this a more loving place? So I just wondered whether you had any comments before we go into more of the descriptive detail from from Dr. Ortiz. Uh, yes, Tom. I I I um I want to say that Dr. Or when when we met with Dr. Ortiz, the thing that went through my mind and the thing that might be going through the minds of our listeners is how is this relevant to us in a particular way? What do we get out of it? And and are there areas that we should be um, suspicious of or untrusting of in this in this particular project? And I, and I say that because, you know, whenever the government or whenever science wants to, to gather data on individuals, I don't care if it's the FBI, I don't care if it's the NIH or the American mm -hmm. Medical Association, it brings chills yes. underserved populations. And um, so when I, when I met with um, uh, Dr. Ortiz, I, I definitely had some, some questions and um, some concerns. But at, the more she talked about the project, the All of Us project, and the more I came to understand what she, what she mentioned earlier, which is precision medicine. And I think that is the core of what we need to look at. Because historically, doctors have made their recommendations about prevention and treatment of patients basically on, on a model, like a mm. European model. Mm -hmm. It does not really necessarily uh, look at uh, underserved or underrepresented populations. What this study does is it says, hey, we're going to open this up. We're going to look at genetics. We're going to look at uh, social determinants of health so that when you are, when you're seeing a doctor and also to progress uh, the advancement of medicine for doctors in this country. This is a necessary program, a necessary project. I'm all on board because I know that we will benefit from this. Um, and I, I don't want to take your thunder, uh, so no. I'm, I'll let you go back, but that, I, I could go on and on. You know, the government, when it, when, you know, there are, some, there are a number of programs out right now. One is, um, the, um, the blood bank initiative that's going on. And so, you know, at one point when in, in our history, when AIDS was a problem, people were going to blood banks, storing their blood so that if they needed it, it would, they, they, they could use their own blood. Mm -hmm. Now, we also heard uh, that, you know, there are others who feel that this will only be um, accessible to people with money or power or wealth or whatever. And so there's some concerns about all of these repositories and really whether or not they will filter down to the people that, um, that they've been 
they, they seek to serve. So the All of Us Project, along with these biorepositories that are going on, they're part of a new suite of medical advancement. Mm. I think that our communities are not um, informed for the most part on them. And so what the cultural ambassadors are doing with this particular project is we've getting behind it 100% so that we can educate, expose, teach, and um, recruit um, individuals from our communities to be a part of it. In order for it to work, it has to have a minority base. Mm. In order for it to be successful, otherwise it'll be just where it is now. Medicine will be for the rich and the powerful and those who have influence and money and those who are at the bottom of the ring will not, not have access to, to, to this advancement. So it's so important for us, Tom, that to be on this show and to talk about this with you, uh, because I think it is of no little insignificance. Dr. Ortiz, you've just seen a little bit of the flavor of what, what I was, <laughs> was referring to. So, 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 you know, share, I'm sure Dr. Perry has mentioned some things that you might want to respond yeah. to. Yeah, no, please. I, I, um, I, I, I remember that first encounter with uh, Reverend Perry and, um, you know, getting those tough questions that we as researchers, you know, we have the responsibility to address and, you know, acknowledge what has happened in the past and making sure that it won't happen again in the future. I mean, I, I am from Puerto Rico and uh, we do have also a history of malpractice, of using our population to test, for example, uh, contraception pills uh, with our, our consent and with our, our knowledge, basically taking Puerto Rican women as guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we have the responsibility to acknowledge that that happened and also to educate and most importantly, to making sure that that won't happen again. Indeed. So this project, the research program, uh, all of us research program started as an in initiative in the Obama administration. And it wasn't until like now Biden administration that it has taken a peek on enrolling mm -hmm. thousands, hundreds and thousands of participants. Um, but what makes unique these program research programs is again, the, um, the interest of enrolling participants that traditionally, historically, has been not represented, uh, mm -hmm. represented in these uh, studies. Um, and also to look at social determinants of health and why is that important? Because we're not only our genes, we're also our income, our education, housing, access to healthcare, all that information is important to know in order to inform um, disease risk. So what's your risk of developing cardiovascular disorder? So it's not only because you have a certain genetic variant, it's also what you eat, you know, the stress that you have in your life um, and um, any kind of trauma exposure, violence exposure, all those things now um, in science, we're understanding that it plays a big role. Mm -hmm. um, just to give you some numbers, um, we talk about heritability. So what's what the biology contributes, our biology contributes to disease risk, right? So what's heritable? 
And we now understand that a lot of these uh, complex disorders like cardiovascular disease and even psychiatry disorders, which is what I um, study or diabetes or so on, this has a heritability often, at least in psychiatry, to 40%, 30%. So what's the missing heritability? Now mm. we understand that it's also the environment, that mm. what makes us unique is that, you know, our income, education, housing, social support, community engagement. Um, so, but the thing is that we don't have the data. We don't, to understand what the exact contribution of all those environmental factors actually has in our disease risk or treatment efficacy, if a specific treatment will work or not on us, is of our biology, but also all these other factors. So that's what makes all of us research program unique. I think it's the first data set in the world mm. that has a very well characterized um, data in terms of social determinants of health. And that's in addition with electronic health records, which um, are also linked to these data. So you have not only at one time in your lifetime information on this, but also across your whole, whole lifespan. Mm. Um, and that's what's, you know, what's most challenging to have in a research um, project. And these make us you know, the opportunity to have that information of hopefully over a million people in, in the U.S. to really dig deeper into risk factors and also protective factors and also prevent prevention factors of um, different disorders and uh, hopefully to also tackle health disparities of um, underserved mm -hmm. populations. And Dr. Ortiz, we'll mention this at the end of the show as well, but uh, how can folks kind of contact you or get more information and participate, et cetera? Sure. So we, we started um, recruiting at Yale um, not very recently uh, the, during this year. That's our first, actually, the month ago we, we hmm. launched the project. Um, and uh, anyone that is interested in um, becoming part of the All of Us Research Program, could give us a call at 203-785-5977 or email us at allofus at yale.edu. Just the, the typical thing, repeat that once again for us. Sure. Um, so you can call us at 203-785-5977 or email us at allofus at yale.edu. And we're working on our website. So we hope to have that, the landing page of all of us. Excellent. Dr. Ortiz, right. kind of take, take, a, take us a little bit on the, the deeper dive of, are there any restrictions to participating? Is there uh, kind of any compensation, length of time? Is it kind of just or a, a Zoom call? Or do you have to come in in person? Kind of walk us through if someone wants to kind of make, make the commitment. Of course. So, um, so in terms of uh, what do you get in return, right? When you enroll in the study. Um, so we uh, give you a health-related research report. So we give you um, what is called an eritary disease risk results. So uh, based on your genes, what are your risk of um, having X or Y disorder? So something similar to 
um, other platforms that people have to pay $99 to get mm. um, their genome sequence and get like this health-related report, report. This is for free. And it's actually, we're giving a $25 compensation uh, for your time and for the specimen donation as well. Um, so, you know, I think this could give us a, at a you know, more beneficial uh, position compared to other um, uh, corporations that mm -hmm. does similar work. Yeah. Uh, but this is with all of us data and um, the research reports are based in all of us data, which is specifically for U.S. populations specifically. So we also give a pharmacogenomics report. So based on your genetic variants, which medicines could be more effective mm. than others or which med medicines could give you more side effects. Um, and in addition to those re health-related reports, we also give um, genetics engagement module, which means that we give you information about your ancestry. Um, mm. For me, like I'm, I'm always curious about my, um, you know, who are my ancestors because mm -hmm. we in Puerto Rico we have a mixture of everything, and I'm sure a lot of people across the U.S. Um, right. now with the globalization increasing uh, exponentially, even you know, more interest of, of, um, of knowing where your DNA is, is from. So we also give that um, for free to participants. And uh, these health-related reports could be also used to give you to your prescriber um, mm. for them to use it um, when, you know, deciding on a specific medication or deciding on a prognosis or, um, maybe uh, complementing the diagnosis um, of a specific disease. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. And Reverend Perry, just before I lean on you for a second, Dr. Ortiz, is, there, is, there, is it just a one blood draw situation or what's the my, my time commitment? Right. So it's a one blood drawn. Um, from that, we take like a smaller tubes um, that we stored on a biorepository that is at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and it's about one hour uh, commitment. There's uh, different surveys that you fill out that you could do it, you know, on your phone and in your house, very convenient. And then once you fill out those forms, you come to the clinic, we schedule uh, at your convenience. And um, uh, you, uh, one of our, Clinical research coordinators will welcome you, and uh, will go you go through with you to review the informed consent that you are, um, uh, you know, you are allowed to review beforehand as well, and going over any questions that you may have, and um, and then the, the the next thing is the physical measurement. So we take uh, measurements of your weight, uh -huh. of your height, and waist circumference, and then. Um, the blood drums. Um, so because of a lot of components of the study or the research program, I must, must say, is done, you, you could do it on your phone. Um, the visit is actually not that long. Okay, great. Reverend Perry, I see those, I see those cognitive cells, the few remaining ones that remain in your brain. And, you know, you have, but yeah. any great. <laughs> one, one of the issues that I did have with the particular study was the compensation. I did mention that, and I, 
I would be remiss if I don't mention it again, because I do think it should be more. And one of the reasons I think it should be increased is because you are, people have to get, you know, if I took an Uber to Yale from where I live now, it could cost me 17 to 20, $30 back and forth. So I don't really think it's fair for people who are marginalized to be a part of this study. And then you, you limit the access by not providing some form of um, compensation for transportation. I'm just throwing that out because I think yes. that's important. It's a very good point. I mean, the, the compensation is decided by the National Institute of Health and we are in constant communication with them and addressing, they always ask like, what are the things that we should improve? And, uh, and uh, I remember the, one of the visits from them, we, that's one of the things that we raised um, as a concern. Um, having said that, um, I'm also uh, very uh, mindful of the extra efforts that um, other communities had to have in order to enroll to the study. So that's why we're um, in a second phase of the study, hopefully starting soon. We want to be more present in the community. So attending free health clinics or attending community events that we on site could start to enroll a participant. So it's more like convenient and it doesn't have that extra cost of transportation. Um, so hopefully we can increase those numbers, uh, like those events and our presence in community, in the community, directly in the community, um, just to address the limitations that we currently have. Yes, and, and so I, I think that the, the overall um, benefit for the program far, far exceeds the, the, uh, the issue of compensation at this point. But I just wanted to make that uh, a point because it's serious. Secondly, I think one of the recommendations that the ambassadors had made uh, to the All of Us study is that, you know, we do have health fairs and we do have church fairs, health fairs in our churches and in our parks and community. There are five in New Haven, Tom, as you have told me. And <laughs> I, I did pass that on to Janitza and I said, you know, get a van, drive the van to the health fair. And that way nobody has to go anywhere. And that would just, that would, that would probably solve the issue for at least temporarily until we could work out something else. Right. right. Again, I think it's just an important, it's an important project um, for all of us. And I like the idea that when we say all of us, we're not just saying all of us at the bottom or all of us in the middle or all mm -hmm. of us at the top. Mm -hmm. But what we're really saying is that we want this to really be about all of us. Mm -hmm. As Janissa had said, with regards to precision medicine, you know, this, this, this precision medicine has, has, has enabled doctors to take cancer and compartmentalize it. So it's taken it from a broad perspective and made it now so that it can, you can break it up into like smaller molecular fingerprints, which I think is gonna be so beneficial mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. all of us, not just, mm -hmm. just but for all of us. Mm -hmm. One of the other things we, 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 we talked about in this study was who has access to this information? 
you know, how will this information be? Will it be private? Will there will people have uh, access to your particular records? I mean, are, are there safeguards for that? And we were assured that there were definitely in place um, many safeguards and that researchers and doctors who were doing particular studies might be able to appeal to the NIH to get the kind of an overall kind of um, spectrum and that might help in, in further bringing about um, critical precision medicine and research in this field. Am I correct, Doctor? Yes, yes, and I thank you for bringing that up. That's a very important point to discuss is data privacy and security. Um, so as I mentioned, of course, these, uh, the for very first step even to enroll is the informed consent. And we're more than eager to go through every single question that you may have on the study, um, you know, overall in the process, but also those related to data privacy. Data is encrypted and um, given direct identifiers. So there's no collection of social security number, uh, no collections of names, and they're given a certain ID and um, the, the, all the data will be encrypted and stored in a secured um, uh, database. Uh, these are protected, what is called by a certificate of confidentiality. And it's only with um, researchers are interested in gathering the data in terms like for only research purposes are entitled to have access to it. But these, just to get access to it, you have to go through a tons, like extensive amount of training in ethical research, in research overall, um, also understanding social determinants of health, like the impact of research and so on. Um, you know, you have to agree to a, con a code of conduct um, before accessing the data. And this is all protected by federal rights. Um, so, um, we are very confident that there's no, or like uh, committed to transparency, mm -hmm. uh, but also um, minimizing as much as possible any kind of risk of data breach. Um, and I, you know, ha we have the best experts in the in the the whole U.S. working <laughs> in the data yeah. privacy and security. Uh, one of them is our um, Dr. Lucila Ono Machado here at Yale. Um, who is developing all constantly new technologies on um, uh, privacy methods uh, of these kind of, of data. Um, she's the director of the um, uh, data uh, biomedical informatics and data science section here at Yale. Um, and we, we have the best, uh, the best technology, the best experts working on data privacy because we understand that's a very key um, issue with a, or component of the study. Um, so there are some areas uh, like, you know, uh, that are very restrictive. So for example, um, restricted in what they call the researcher workbench where you, you could actually go now and see just like data snapshots um, uh, US wide, like what's the pre prevalence of um, diabetes and it will, mm -hmm take you to the prevalence and you can look for age groups, for ancestry, ancestry groups and so on. Um, but, you know, in order to get what we call, researchers call individual level data, that's where you have to get data access approval and it's only for research 
purposes. And mm -hmm. that's where the data dictionaries house the um, all the data, like individual level data by what, what I called individual level data is that you have the data per person. Um, but again, unidentified data and um, data that is encrypted. So um, I'm very confident of our uh, data privacy um, uh, approaches. So um, yeah, so, so far I wanted to also add, we have had um, over 600,000 people enrolled across the whole US. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, from these we have across like near to 400,000 with um, electronic health records and biospecimens receive and uh, with um, genetic data available. Um, so it's one of the biggest um, in the world and one of the most diverse. And I would say, I think the most diverse in the world right now. Uh, and we're going to make it more, absolutely. Dr. Ortiz, share that number again in the contact. And again, we will repeat it at the end of the show as well. Sure, um, phone number uh, is 203-785-5977. And um, to email us is allofus at yale.edu. Um, and I also wanted to add that once you enroll in, this, in the research program, there are also a, what we called a forum meetings. These are once mm -hmm. in a month and this is meant for the community. So anyone mm -hmm. can, uh, participates in these meetings, and these meetings are often with experts in the field, researchers there to address any questions that you may have um, after enrolling in the study. Um, so if you receive your um, your data box, so right now over 150,000 people has received all the data, um, and we expect to increase that even further um, uh, sooner rather than, than later. Um, and once you receive your, your results, uh, you know, there could be questions that you may have. So these platforms are used to address these questions with experts in the field. And, uh, you know, some questions that someone in um, Tennessee could have mm -hmm. could be the same mm -hmm. questions as someone from Connecticut or New York. Mm -hmm. So um, I think these forums are, um, I think one of its kind is, again, because I mm -hmm. haven't seen any kind of um, research program or research study like this. Um, but, you know, I think it empowers um, the participants. And I think it's just like not a participant researcher relationship, but our goal is to treat everyone that enrolls in our research program as partners. So mm. empower people with their own data. Mm. Mm. Important, important. And thanks the, thanks for mentioning about the, uh, the, the mobility Possibility, and I'll continue to send Reverend Perry uh, upcoming events, health events. There is one on Saturday. The New Haven uh, Health Department had a health fair, but there it's 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 ongoing. Uh, restrictions, Dr. Ortiz. Any restrictions to participating? Right. Or, yes. and, and age groups. I'm just curious. Thank you for reminding me. Um, there are no restrictions. The only thing right now is that you have to be 18 uh, or older. Um, however, NIH is working on starting a pediatric enrollment, but mm. that's not, that hasn't started yet, but mm -hmm. that will come in the future. But for now it's 18 years old or older um, and there's no other restrictions. Um, and yeah. And how about the, the length, the uh, 
the length of the program? What's the, the, the grant? Is it for another two years, three years, four years? Right. So this is uh, another unique aspect of this research program is that it's meant to be longitudinal. Um, so it's going to be different, um, you know, we're now testing, recontacting people and uh, retention, what is called retention, which is to keep the participant engaged in the research program and, you know, um, answering surveys in the future and, of course, like with compensation as well. Um, and it's meant to, you know, not having all the information in one point in your lifetime, but instead, you know, across different time points in your lifetime with the electronic health records, if available, and so on. So um, it's meant to be a long-term relationship with um, mm. the participant. Mm. Reverend Perry, jump, jump in. Yes. Because just, just this, when she mentions the longitudinal, that's fascinating also. That, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. But, but, but please. So my, my, my hope with any research project is that they're not in terms of its, um, in terms of its dynamics, is that it would um, have that diversity and equity that becomes so obvious that it helps to bring about trust. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the, you know, in terms of the longitude, the long, the longitudinal um, journey that this project will take, I'm hoping that they will include in it um, more diverse population, people who look like the people that you're trying to recruit. That's so important because when you don't have that, there's, there's, there's definitely going to be more suspicion and um, that suspicion is going to lead to um, a lack of recruitment and we don't want that. We really want to build that. So one of the things we also suggest to all of our researchers, our young ambassadors and us as ambassadors to, to help participate. I also want to add here, Tom, that if you go to their website, the All of Us website, you'll see that the Divine Nine, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I've already kind of endorsed them and that many of the HBCUs have mm -hmm. also jumped in to uh, right. be part of this project. And that's information that is really important uh, for us in our community to know that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that, you know, uh, UTOM would be a great resource for all of us as well in terms of like just, just helping uh, the all of us understand all the different um, health fairs and uh, community centers that open themselves up. That's right. That's for this right. kind of project, you know, like the Amani program or the, the Q House or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Jerry Streets and his program. Right. Uh, yeah. that, that's what happens with research is they are so far out of the community that they don't realize all of the intricacies of, uh, of, of, of these organizations that we partner with and have been partnering with for, for years now. And it's important that, you know, maybe part of the collection is to make a list of these uh, institutions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to uh, reach out to them. That yes. I think that would help the project too. I also want to, I also want to tip my hat to the All of Us Project because they're going to be uh, at the AME Zions Quadrennial Banquet where they're going to talk and, and, um, uh, give some exposure to this project. I mean, we're going to have 
I don't know, an incredible number of people every day. Uh, probably over 100,000 uh, people will be at this, at this event uh, in New Orleans because it starts with the board, of, the board of Bishop, I mean, the Connectional Council meeting, which means all of the clergy all from all over the world will be there. And then all of the missionaries and all of the lay people will be there. And we're hoping at this event to uh, bring much exposure to this project and to hope that it will also um, bring about uh, a number of recruitments. And so Excellent. we tip our hats because, you know, not everybody, not everybody can see that vision. Mm -hmm. but of course, mm -hmm. I did pitch the vision, so uh, that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely, Reverend Perry and, and Dr. Ortiz, I'll begin to share on a regular basis the upcoming events and venues where there's some possibilities for, you know, customer interaction, going going where the people where the people happen, happen to be. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and then locally, yeah, in terms of the divine, the, the fraternities and sororities locally, I'll, I'll send out this show link, Dr. Ortiz, uh, to them and with your contact information for their further consideration. Most of the fraternities and sororities have some sort of health initiatives health programs, et cetera. So this kind of, kind of just, just, just helps to amplify their and fulfill their mission objectives. Uh, Dr. Cortez, in, in Puerto Rico, how is the recruitment coming? Right, so, um, so Yale is partnering with uh, Puerto Rico um, and we're working together on starting recruitment over there. Their study hasn't launched yet. They're working on the final stages, um, but they're hoping to start in sometime in August. So yeah, hoping to start recruitment in the island um, sometime soon. There are other two recruitment sites, um, uh, but we're hoping to, to increase that, uh, the recruitment efforts by uh, adding this additional um, recruitment site that we're working with, um, with them. So very excited also to be able to um, increase representation of Puerto Rican faiths in the island in this, in this research program. Yes, and I bring that up because we are also working with uh, our, the, our ambassador program started with Junta, Junta yeah. Action. And we, we've uh, been in contact with them and we are going to um, initiate some, some more contact with them so that we can broaden our, our reach through them. And hopefully we'll be able to um, uh, add to the all of us, the mm -hmm. population mm -hmm. here in, in New Haven through Junta or Progressive yeah. Action. That sounds great. Yes, uh, more than happy to also partner with them. Excellent. D Dr. Ortiz, if I just wanted to mention last week, um, one of the Yale research projects that's dealing with people that might have had COVID and any psychological kind of ramifications since then. But they presented to one of our, as you know, in New Haven, we have 30 wards and 30 older people. And one of our committees is, a, we have a Black and Hispanic Caucus Committee that meets. And one of the Yale, the Yale Research Program presented last week to us, just to inform the alders uh, of how the community can kind of get involved. So I might want to extend an invitation to you at some point to, to come in to uh, speak to some of the alders, just to kind of share uh, your, your clinical objectives. Uh, as, as I say, an, an example was it for last week that took place with one of the, the, the research efforts. Yes, um, of course, I'll be more than happy to do so. Uh, be, let me know, great. yes. On the, as you, we have, we have census demographic data 
and you've been involved with research and you've seen the clinical trial participation. Are there any particular generally flexible numerical goals that you might have set uh, so that you kind of monitor, are we reaching our, our anticipated, you know, 10% Black participation, 15% right, Hispanic? Right. Are there any kind of guidelines or guardrails that you're looking for in, this, in that regard? Right. So our goal is to have at least 80% of our enrollment and recruitment to be from um, the UVR, so underrepresented um, groups. And that could, this could be, you know, ethnic, uh, racial, but also uh, socioeconomic um, or, you know, living in rural areas. Um, and this is reflecting what all of us research program goal, main goal is to have 80% representation of all the underrepresented groups. Um, so not only racial and ethnic minorities, but also um, whether or not you live in, in rural areas or you are from uh, so low socioeconomic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah. The, so say, say, say more about that because it, it, it dawns on me, Reverend Perry, that's, that's an impressive Impressive, yeah. ambitious, but also substantive. And so, that, I mean, I, I expect you to say 40%, 50%. 80%. 80%. It's substantial. It's substantial. So, say more about that because that's really sub. That's uh, yeah. Keep in mind that, yeah, keep in mind that this is like, you know, putting together a lot of different traditionally underrepresented groups. Um, so, now, not only if you're Black or Hispanic or Latino, but also if you live in the rural area, which is most of the time, very understudied communities. Mm -hmm. If you are from, you know, Native American groups as well, mm -hmm. um, or living in uh, Native American um, the communities, and um, also low socioeconomic uh, background, uh, mm -hmm. which tend to be also very underrepresented in these studies as well. Um, uh, like just to give you an example, one of the biggest genomic data sets so far is 23andMe. I don't mm -hmm. know if I, I should name the, the, the corporation or the company, um, but this is a company that, you know, gives these services of giving ancestry and health related reports. They sequence your genome with a saliva test. Um, but these charges $100 uh, yes. for this service, right? Yes. And you're giving your data to a corporation, which, you know, you don't own your data. Um, right. Someone else's does. And the company has the right to sell it to other companies uh, many times, uh, often the case. Um, still, 23andMe data is very restrictive, um, but you don't know what they do with the data, right? Um, so all of us research programs gives all these services, but for free. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's something unique, but also that breaks the the obstacle of, you know, the that um, income barrier, like not uh, many of us can afford a mm -hmm. paying $100 just to tell us what genes do I have that makes it me more sick you know no, mm -hmm. not everyone can do that so that data set has that big bias that is only people that can afford paying that money to get that data um so this addresses that so this is making sure 
that this data, uh, we, you know, everyone can have it, but also that you can own your own data mm -hmm. um, and that the data is secure. So it has like a, a lot of advantages of services that a lot of people like, you know, from uh, research communities can afford, but, you know, but by paying uh, a price and, you know, this is for free and uh, this is to meant to be a service to our communities as well. Reverend Perry? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think, um, uh, Janessa, what people also want to know is when they take the tests, uh, the, the blood draws, uh, how, how, what is the turnaround rate for the response for them? You mm -hmm. know, like if it's six months, if it's a year, it's stale. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm just wondering, is there mm -hmm. any expediency with regards to results? Okay. Yeah, I have to be honest. It won't be as fast as other companies <laughs> um, because, because this is uh, work done by researchers in the community. Um, so people that analyze the data is us, like um, people that does this out of our heart. <laughs> um, and uh, so the data often, you know, takes longer um, to, to uh, be given back to the participant. Um, often, I don't want to say a specific number, but it could vary between six months to a year. Um, mm -hmm. And we're trying to improve at that end um, and uh, hoping to be faster, but right now, like um, we were waiting on the data, uh, like genetic data on um, 200,000 participants or 400,000 participants or so. And it was, it was released a month ago uh, for research purposes and working on be given back to participants. As I mentioned, just to give you an idea, so far it's over, 600,000 people enrolled. And the last time I checked, it was, uh, and something that I see on the news also reported, um, 155,000 people receiving their data back. Mm -hmm. um, so we could do better in the turnaround time. Um, but, you know, considering that this is also free of, of cost, I think it's, it's good um, if we wait a little longer. And Dr. Ortiz, related to Dr. Perry's call uh, 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 question, even if I had the, my blood drawn and my results are still pending, am I still eligible eligible to participate in the monthly meetings that you mentioned, or do I have to wait for my re results to come in first? Um, as far as I understand, you can you can start um, participating anytime once you're enrolled. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time I've seen people from the community attending once they have their results, because that's when the questions arise. So mm -hmm. I gave this to my prescriber and he didn't know what to do, or he does, doesn't know genetics or she doesn't, you know, um, want to consider this, like, what do I do? And it's just a matter of educating um, also the doctors and how to interpret right. data. Um, a lot of doctors, they don't, they don't, or they don't understand it, or they just follow guidelines from companies when they're given um, guidelines on how to use genetic variants to address 
prognosis or treatment efficacy. Um, so this is like something that they you could give to your prescriber, uh, but considering that it's not like they're not, um, you know, it's not something that it could be in a regular protocol for them to receive. So we're working on educating uh, the medical community into, you know, how to better interpret the results, like what to do with them and how these could benefit. Um, the patient. So it's also a matter of educating um, the medical community as well. Um, which we, we, hope we, have about, we have about nine, 90, 90 seconds. And Dr. Ortiz, I want to give you the last word and Dr. Perry as well. And just as you were talking, Dr. Ortiz, what went, what, what went through my mind again was the fierce urgency of now that Reverend Perry has been, been sharing with folks for the last, I've heard for the last four, four weeks, uh, just about the, the fierce urgency of moving speedily and healthily and committed to really almost saving the saving the planet, if I can use that expression. Uh, but Dr. Perry, I want you to take twenty seconds and Dr. Ortiz a minute, and then Harry's going to play that music, and we're we're done for the day. Yes, Tom, I'm 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 hopeful for this uh, project. I think is like I said, uh, one is going to benefit all of us, the eighty percent of us who participate anyway, and that not only that eighty percent, but for those who are already. Uh, mm -hmm who are already in the upper echelon of this medical system. Mm -hmm. so now we can bring about a certain amount of equity. So I, I appreciate that. And I'm hoping that as we work together, we'll be able to uh, work with the timelines, work with the compensations, work with you know meeting our partners and community yes. people so that we can really make this um, a very, very impactful uh, research study. Excellent. Dr. Ortiz? Yeah, as a researcher, I always want to give some numbers just to give you some perspective. So the genomic study is a representation of um, European populations is 90%. That means that the rest of the 10% of genomic studies are done in other populations. So I think that highlights the need to um, address that lack of representation of um, uh, underserved communities, and we hope to do that with the All of Us Research Program. Um, so, you know, this is, again, you're meant to be a partner, and this is meant to be a long-term relationship. Um, and I think, you know, I hope that we do a good job at having this as a service to the community and address the health disparities that currently our communities are being affected. 203-785-5977, call. Harry, that's a, that's a wrap. Thank you, everybody. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'm a roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition. This new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you're going to be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working. Open curtains. Haters swerving because they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never going to give up, give up. Fall down. I just got to get up, get up. Because yeah. this is my role.